This is Science and Religion. I'm Greg Kutsona. Today I'd like to look for a bit at the roots of modern science. And I begin with a quotation from Charles Towns. For successful science of the type we know, we must have faith that the universe is governed by reliable laws and further that these laws can be discovered by human inquiry. This is the Berkeley Nobel laureate who developed the maser and the laser. Let me tell you just about Charles Towns, a little story. And I wrote it up once for a newsletter and a blog post. It goes like this. Physicist Charles Towns had a significant problem. He'd been trying to figure out how to, a solution to a long-standing conundrum of how to create a pure beam of light, one that's short in wavelength and high in frequency. More than three decades earlier, the great Albert Einstein had in fact theorized that this could be done, but no one, no one had managed the feat yet. And despite Town's best efforts, this brilliant young professor hadn't figured it out either. It was 1951. Towns was in Washington, D.C., waiting for a breakfast restaurant to open. He sat down on a park bench. Now, I have to admit, I've read this story numerous times, and it seems that this brilliant future Nobel laureate let his mind wander. He said no, as it were, to trying, and yes, to taking a moment to pause. Here's how the next moment was reported. On that bench surrounded by blooming azaleas, the solution came to Towns, then a 35-year-old Columbia University researcher. It involved a flash of bright light, a population of excited ammonia molecules, and a mechanism for limiting the wavelengths they could then emit. On the back of the envelope, he, quote, just scratched it out, end of quote, as he later said of his brainstorm. That solution led him to the development of the maser and the laser, and ultimately to his 1964 Nobel Prize. Few other modern inventions have had the wide-ranging effect of the laser. They're at the core of the home DVD players, if you still remember those, military rangefinders and altimeters, grocery store barcode scanners, and police detectors, to name a few. And so we come to Towns and how he believed that whatever scientific discovery he or others made was based on the idea that the universe could be understood and that it was made as a cosmos and not a chaos. So the beginnings of science, as we've read earlier, as I read earlier from Genesis 1, it says in that text, in the beginning God created. This is, of course, a text that is part of the Jewish canon, the sacred scripture, scriptures held uh, by Judaism, the Christian uh, Bible, as well as similar ideas are in um, the Islamic Quran. For example, the Quran in the second, we'll call it chapter uh, or surah, says, quote, How can you deny God when he, you were dead and he gave you life, and then he put you to death, then he will bring you to life, to, then to him you will be returned. It is he who created for you everything on earth, then turned to the heaven and made them seven heavens. And of quote, God in the Quran, the revelation to Muhammad, um, also has the sense that God said it is and it came to be. 
Alfred North Whitehead, Whitehead was one of the great scholars. We've um, heard from him already in uh, his reflections on his own scientific work that were then, uh, his philosophy of science that was presented as science in the modern world, which includes a great deal of history of the development of science. He said this, quote, there can be no living science unless there is a widespread conviction in the existence of an order of things and in particular of an order of nature. And he believed that this happened in the Middle Ages. The scientific movement that pursues rationality, quote, must come from the medieval insistence on the rationality of God. And by rationality, we don't mean cold unfeelingness, or at least I don't mean it, but the ability to be understood by God. Now, um, Alistair McGrath writes in his book, um, Religion and Science, A New Introduction, that, quote, one of the most widely encountered and basic ideas, end of quote, is creation. Uh, I want to disagree just a little bit from the perspective of religious studies. I, I, I agree with him in what I've just mentioned in the monotheistic religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Um, there's this idea of creation ex nihilo or creation out of nothing. But... Um, this has not been the case of all religions. In fact, many religions are actually just an ordering of the world that already exists. But when you look at texts like Genesis chapter 1 and 2, uh, a book uh, in the Catholic uh, canon of Scripture, 2 Maccabees 7.28, and then also in the New Testament, Romans 4.17, which I decided I'm going to reach over and grab and read uh, you see this insistence that God spoke and it came to be. Um, so in the book of Romans, it th says this. It talks about the God, quote, in whom he, Abraham, believed, who gives life to the dead and calls to existence the things that do not exist, who calls into existence the things that do not exist. Or again from the Quran, Surah 2, Quote, the creator is he of the heavens and the earth, and when he wills a thing to be, he but says unto it, be, and it is. And this is the idea that God creates from nothing, not from something that was amorphous, not from quantum foam or something, but from there's literally no thing, and then God makes it because God speaks. Um, so this leads to how the teaching of this creation leads to the laws of nature. And so... When people like Herbert Butterfield and Alfred North Whitehead and um, uh, Yaki, I'm trying to think of his first name, um, you can email me with that answer uh, if you have it. Um, it. Then when they came up with this uh, idea of why did science as we know it arise in monotheistic cultures, it's that, it's Stanley Yaki, by the way, um, Stanley Yaki, uh, the scientist. Anyway, why did, it, why did science arise in the West? Creation affirms an ordering and coherence. The world will be the same tomorrow as it is today. Therefore, we can create conclusions about, um, like I've mentioned in other podcasts, the rising and setting of the sun. It's not a chaos. By the way, this was undermined um, by, um, in some ways, by David Hume, who I mentioned in other uh, installments, who believed that all we have is uh, a kind of disorderedness. And if you don't have a ordered creation, you really aren't, don't have science. And Hume said all we can see is continuous you know, association of this and that. There's not a cause and effect, it's just these uh, different events are associated with one another. 
But there's an ordering and coherence when you have the laws of creation, or the idea of creation that leads to the laws of nature and thus the rise of science. Um, this has led the physicist uh, the, um, Paul Davies to comment that in a way, the laws of nature are universal, they are absolute, and they are omnipotent, and they are eternal. So even if people today don't you know, believe that there's a sense of this uh, God creating things, there's still an assumption that uh, that God can, uh, sorry, not that God, but that scientists can study nature and it makes sense. This is the idea of the connection between the doctrine of creation, the teaching of creation, and the development of the laws of science and the relationship between these two that creates the roots of modern science and the modern scientific revolution. I'll repeat what uh, Towns said, quote, for successful science of the type we know, we must have faith that the universe is governed by reliable laws and further that these laws can be discovered by human inquiry.